Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. This episode, we're going to explore private school voucher programs, including our own here in North Carolina, with a leading national expert who's been studying these efforts across the country. Like every week before we tackle our main topic, we will open with our segment we call Edlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. President Donald Trump released his first budget last week, and major changes and cuts in federal education programs are included. The administration is seeking to cut $9.2 billion, or 13.5%, from the Department of Education's total budget, dramatically reducing or eliminating grants for things like teacher training, after-school programs, and aid to first-generation college students. A host of programs aimed at low-income students are also slated for cuts, including federal work-study work funds that help students that work their way through college, and nearly $200 million in cuts to federal TRIO and GEAR-UP programs, which help disadvantaged students in middle and high school prepare for college. While proposing massive cuts in areas like after-school programs, the President is proposing to shift $1.4 billion toward one of his key priorities, expanding charter schools, private school vouchers, and other alternatives to traditional public schools. The North Carolina House last week approved legislation that would change how the state grades the state's public schools. Under current law, the A to F letter grades are based on 80% on a student, student proficiency on standardized tests and 20% on year-over-year -year student growth. House Bill 322 would change the formula to 50% for each one, placing more emphasis on growth or improvement over time. The House has supported changes to the grading formula in recent years, while the Senate has shown little interest in any changes. Bills were officially filed last week in both the House and the Senate to create a new North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program that aims to recruit more STEM and special education teachers into North Carolina classrooms. Senate Bill 252 and House Bill 339 were filed with a near record number of legislators, both Republican and Democrat, signing on as co-sponsors. The bill certainly has one of the strongest out-of-the-gate showings of bipartisan support we've seen among education bills in recent years. The framework was unveiled by Senator Chad Barefoot and Representative Craig Horn, who you see here on the screen, at a week ago at an event at NC State. Finally, the state's new and sometimes controversial Achievement School District that will take over five low-performing elementary schools now has a superintendent. Dr. Eric Hall, who has been serving as president and CEO of Communities and Schools of North Carolina, will be the new district's first superintendent. Hall began his career as a teacher and has more than 20 years of experience in education. Communities and Schools is a statewide nonprofit network that provides integrated support services in more than 300 schools across North Carolina. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk today about one of the most controversial school choice initiatives, private school voucher programs, and we have a terrific guest here today to help us understand more about it. He is Richard Collenberg. Richard is a senior fellow with the Century Foundation in Washington, D.C., has a lot of expertise um, and um, experience in education, civil rights, equal opportunity, um, has studied a lot of uh, private school voucher programs, in including looking at ours here in North Carolina. So thanks for being here today. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thanks, Keith. Right, thanks, Rick. Well, here's what I want to start with first. We've got you for the whole show, so we're going to cover a lot of ground, which is terrific. Um, 
Just private school vouchers in general um, and the whole notion of vouchers and tax credits for uh, private school education. Kind of give me the, um, the lay of the land, if you will, and where we are nationally um, on these kinds of efforts. Right. Well, there are a number of states like uh, North Carolina which have adopted private school voucher programs, programs that allow public taxpayer funds to be used in, in private and, and religious schools. Uh, but what we're seeing now is, for the first time, really a concerted effort at the federal level uh, through Donald Trump and his education secretary, Betsy DeVos, to, to nationalize this voucher idea, uh, which is, um, is, is uh, we'll get into the concerns I have about it, but it's, it's really unprecedented in this sense that I've been looking at education for you know, 20 years, and there are lots of debates about you know, how much we should be spending per pupil, uh, how we should uh, approach teachers, but this is, this is the whole enchilada, right? right? This is, are we gonna have a system of public education as we know it in this country? Uh, and if uh, President Trump and Betsy DeVos had their way, we would move to a radically different plan of, of privatization of our public schools. Right, I mean, he talked about, I mean, the, the, the budget or the skinny budget, mm -hmm. they, as they, they, they call it, I guess, in D.C., is uh, $1.5 billion to start, but he right. really is talking about, uh, at least he did on the campaign trail, a $20 billion uh, school voucher national program. I mean, that, that, those That's are some right. serious dollars. We're talking about uh, uh, maybe the lion's share of what's spent um, yeah. at the federal level in education. Yes, so this is, and, and the context is, as he's proposing expansion of private school vouchers, he's simultaneously cutting dramatically the federal education budget. He's talking about a 13% cut. So, so these two things go together. Uh, the, you see diversion of money to to private schools. So I, I think we're in a, a, a really volatile situation for the right, future well, of our well, public let's, schools. Let's get into, let's get into uh, look, uh, we, I've, I've read your reports. In fact, we, I think we're going to pop up on the screen your latest report. Uh, I've got it right here. America needs public school choice, not private school vouchers. So, right. I mean, safe to say you're not a fan um, right. uh, of this sort of move. So, but tell us why. I and mean, sort of what's your concerns about, um, about privatization and, and things like private school vouchers? Right. Well, I've got, I've got several concerns. To begin is that diversion of money from public schools where 90% of students now attend uh, to private education. So there's, there's gonna be a trade-off. We're gonna be moving funds from the schools that people are using now. Uh, we'll see increased class sizes potentially, uh, other problems related to decreases in funding. Right. Uh, in addition, uh, I'm very concerned about the lack of accountability in the private school sector. So that can mean uh, we, we won't have the same requirements necessarily that students are, are learning. Uh, and we also won't have the same civil rights protections. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important uh, to remember that public schools accept everyone. They, you, there are no racial, economic, religious tests. Uh, that's not true of private schools that receive public funding. So you, for example, in North Carolina have the Fayetteville uh, uh, Christian School that in its handbook says if you are Muslim, if you're Jewish, if you're Hindu, if you're Mormon, 
don't bother You're applying. You're not welcome. You are not welcome. And that's, that's not something we want, the kind of message I think we want to send in a, in a democratic society. And this is a school in which we, we actually highlighted the, uh, the list, and I think we'll have it later in the show, one of our commercial breaks, the top schools. The, that, that academy and mm -hmm. several were 93% of our schools in North Carolina that receive vouchers are religious schools, either primarily evangelical Christian or Muslim academies. Um, some of those have received already a million dollars in taxpayer funds just in the last two years. That's right. So it's, it's, we're not talking about a small. What else? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm also concerned uh, that the basic mission of private schools is, is not to promote our, our democracy. Uh, we've, we've seen a disturbing decline in the support for democratic values in American society. So if you look at polling, it finds that among young people, actually a quarter now say that democracy is a bad or very bad system of, uh, for running a society. Right. I mean, that's a, an astounding figure to me. Um, and, uh, and the problem, or one of the concerns about private school vouchers is that if you're an Islamic school, if you're a Christian school, if you're a Jewish school, your mission is not to promote democratic values. Uh, it's to um, instill a love of God. And that's fine. I, I think that's totally appropriate. Um, but if we want our democracy to survive, we want to make sure that students are learning why democracy is important and, um, and to, to really gain that love of democracy. Which is something you see as a unique role of the public school system. That's something that was why it was established and that, that, that is one of the sort of critical missions, correct? Yes. Now, if you go back to the founders of public education in this country, uh, Horace Mann, and even further back to the the founders of the Constitution. Uh, they wanted an educated populace, not so much um, to develop skills for the workforce because it was an agrarian society and uh, that wasn't the chief mission. They were uh, deadly worried about uh, a demagogue coming in um, and diverting democracy. That was, you know, this, had been, this was wow. a new experiment. Uh, we're going to have self-governance, which hadn't happened before. Um, in, in recent times, and so, so they were really concerned about making sure people were educated well, um, both to understand the Constitution, love the Constitution, and also to be able to, to discern people who were, were hucksters versus those wow. who were... Well, that's, uh, a, that's, an, that's, a, that's a great history. We've got to go to commercial break, um, but when we come back, I want to talk further about possible solutions. We, we're not just here to talk about what we don't like. We're going right. to talk about some things that you think would be good for the, for the country and for the state. So when we come back, we'll have a lot more conversation with uh, you in just a minute. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. What percentage of U.S. students attend public schools? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer D, 90%? 90% of U.S. students attend a public school, 88% uh, here in North Carolina, including um, uh, district public schools as well as public charter schools. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Rick Collenberg. Uh, again, thanks for being here, Rick. As I said at the top of the hour, you've been uh, writing and talking about this a lot. I, I see you've, you've, in addition to being in the New York Times, The Post, you've been on ABC, CBS, Fox, MSNBC, and see now you can add Education Matters That's right. uh, to your bio. So we, we appreciate you being here. 
What else, um, uh, to, to go back to our first segment, uh, concerns you about vouchers, and then I want to get into uh, a proposal that you have. Sure. Uh, so one of the other major concerns is that uh, vouchers haven't been proven to increase the academic achievement of students. Some people assume that private schools are kind of inherently better than public schools. But the research in, in Louisiana, uh, Ohio, and other states has found that actually academic achievement has declined uh, in a number of those states when public school students transfer to private schools and, uh, and go to private schools on, on those And that's voucher comparing programs. them to the students who stayed, right? I mean, that, right. Like the Louisiana study, I know there was Louisiana, Indiana, and I think, uh, was it Ohio? Ohio, yeah. that's right. And, um, you know, for a number of years, the, the research had been kind of mixed, but these most recent studies have been devastating, uh, really negative results from the private school voucher plan. And that's, we have to be thinking about how we're spending our money carefully in order to improve academic achievement for right. kids. And it's just not happening in the private school voucher programs. Right. Okay. Now I want to shift gears. Um, we've talked about things that um, concern you. Um, right. What would you propose? What should we be looking at um, uh, in the area of choice? Look, choice is pretty popular right. and it makes sense to uh, parents that we should, they should have choice in where their kids go. So what would you propose? Yeah. Well, I, I think when uh, Donald Trump and Betsy DeVos say poor kids trapped in terrible schools need a better alternative, they're, they're right. right. Uh, that, that we ought to have choice. But within the public school system, where there are civil rights protections, where there's accountability, where we're going to make sure that the money is, is better spent than in, in a, a privatization scheme. So uh, there are a number of school districts, about 100 across the country now, uh, including uh, Wake County and, and Charlotte, where they're using public school choice to bring kids of different backgrounds together. Uh, different racial and so ethnic like magnet backgrounds. programs. That's what people will be familiar with That's uh, here right. in Wake County. That's right. right, exactly. So magnet programs, so this is not the old style of you know compulsory busing that right. we did many, many years ago. We're instead saying, can parents come together voluntarily for their students to uh, to learn what it's like to live in a in a diverse society? You know, as the changing demographics of the country make clear, Everyone needs can benefit from being in a, in a diverse school well, environment. Why, I mean, why is that? I mean, is it is it just because it's the right thing to do? I mean, or is it is there? I mean, what are the real benefits of yeah. of an integrated school? And, and I believe when I read this in your paper, you're not talking about just racial integration. You're talking about right. actually social economic integration, right? That's right. That if you look at the research going back 50 years, it's the socioeconomic status of classmates that matters even more than the race in terms of boosting academic achievement. So we know that low-income students uh, who will go to more uh, economically mixed schools do far better than low-income students stuck in high-poverty schools. And the middle-class students also benefit, okay. uh, that they can benefit from a richer classroom discussion in which students bring different life experiences to the table. This is something that colleges figured out a long time ago, that, with, that essentially diversity makes us smarter. Uh, that when, when people have, are bringing different ideas in, uh, that you get more creative solutions and better results for, for everyone. Uh, there's also kind of a practical workforce preparation issue here. Uh, the number one reason that people are fired on the job is not that they're incompetent. It's that they can't get along. 
uh, with others uh, in the workforce, oftentimes others who are from different racial, ethnic, or economic, or religious backgrounds. So uh, if we want all students to be prepared to work well in, uh, in a 21st century diverse America, uh, it, it doesn't help us when our schools are, are segregated. So we can use public school choice to overcome unfortunate uh, patterns of, of segregation by race and class uh, you know, at, at the residential now, level. What, now, why does, uh, does having, um, you know, moving, uh, whether students of color, and you, what you're really talking about are poor students, regardless mm -hmm. of color, right. into a middle class school? What exactly um, does that, why does that work? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons has to do with, with peer effects. Uh, there's a lot, you know, broad literature on the fact that students are influenced by one another, and this is something every parent knows right. as, as well. And so uh, students benefit when they are around peers who expect to go on to college um, and are, are acting uh, along those lines. Uh, we find that parents uh, in economically mixed schools are more likely to have some time to, to volunteer in class. So the, one of the problems in high poverty schools is that parents are so stressed that they, they are not able to uh, participate in some of those classroom activities. And that we, there's a lot of uh, research to suggest that benefits all students. Right. And, and you, get, you get strong teachers in economically mixed schools as well. Uh, and so in, in Wake County, for example, they have the nationally board certified teachers, the teachers who have demonstrated uh, that they're, they're strong uh, throughout Wake County, uh, not just right. kind of found in a, a few more affluent schools. So, so, so sort of a final thought uh, on this topic, so, um, sort of what was, how would you sort of sum it up uh, quickly on the, uh, what you've described today? Well, I think uh, many of us are realizing that our, our democracy is in trouble, uh, that we have some real challenges. And so what we want to do is figure out how to use choice in order to strengthen our democracy through the public school system rather than taking a very risky step of privatizing education and, and kind of outsourcing our uh, ability to, to build our, our democracy. Well, we certainly don't need to be more divided, right? No. I think we can agree on that. Thank you <laughs> so right. much, Rick, for being here with us today. We appreciate it. And we're going to have, uh, for our audience, we're going to have links on our website, uh, ncforum.org, uh, to uh, uh, Rick Collenberg's uh, other work. So please take a look for him. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Nashonda Cook at Eno Valley Elementary School in Durham. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the NC STEM Center, strategies that engage minds. We know that there's a reading achievement gap. We know there are African-American males who are falling 
far behind their peers and, and between the cracks, how can we address that? We knew if we built the children's confidence and we gave them experiences and had mentors and were able to have conversations with men who look like them, that that confidence would help build them up. Educators know what our children need. Just allow us to give that to them. And that's what this program has allowed uh, Ms. Cook to do, is to really give the children what we know they need. The Men of Honor here at Eno Valley is for young African-American boys so that they can see what they can achieve in life. The mentors come from all over. Our college students come from UNC at Chapel Hill in the Minority Men of Medicine program and they come and they help them out with homework, they play basketball with them, football with them. They also do different activities with them to help them connect what they're learning now to what they're doing in school. We bring people into our school. We don't wait for the boys to connect with police officers in a negative way. I think you have to create a relationship early on so you can learn that everybody deserves respect. Everybody's life is valuable. They come to me and they are, they're starting to be conscious about the decisions that they're making. Their teachers come to me and talk about how their grades have shown progress and how you know they're helpful to classmates. I have little sisters who come up to me and say, thank you for teaching my little brother how to be nicer to me. I want them to think about who they are and what others think when they say their name. I want them to walk away knowing the possibilities that they have, that nothing can stop them. No current situation that they're living in, no one disrespecting them, no one who doesn't believe in them. I want them to walk away thinking, I believe in myself. I know I'm respectful, I know I will be a college graduate, and that's all that I need to be able to achieve my goals. And others will get on board and realize that, you know, I'm gonna do this, you know, one way or another, with or without their help. Other schools need to look into having a program such as this. Whatever it may look like, whatever small or large scale that they can do, it brings the community into the school, which is amazing, which is what a public education is about. Once people see what's going on in our public schools, they will understand that this really is where education happens and how positive it is and what needs to happen to make sure we have what we need for public education. Another great North Carolina public school teacher. If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Our guests today raised some very important questions about private school voucher programs. One key question, of course, is simply about diverting resources away from public schools, which educate almost 90% of our students in North Carolina. The General Assembly plans to spend nearly a billion dollars over the next 10 years on private school vouchers. Even with some recent gains, our, per, our public school per pupil spending and teacher pay still is in the bottom 10 nationally. Then there's accountability and transparency. Private schools fiercely guard and protect their independence. But when these schools take public funding but still operate like a private entity, transparency and accountability is difficult. And that's if you're really trying. A recent study by researchers at Duke University found that North Carolina's Opportunity Scholarship Program has the least accountability of any private school voucher program in the country. The report pointed out that our voucher program lacks requirements for state accreditation, lacks guidance on curriculum, does not require the teachers be certified, exempts these schools from all the state's testing requirements, and sets zero guidelines on school calendars or hours, while at the same time dictating precisely when our public schools must start and end each year. 
On top of all that, the latest research on programs in Indiana, Louisiana, and Ohio that our guests mentioned actually show negative academic results for students who leave public schools for voucher-funded private schools. Even with these very real questions that ought to be answered before we continue to expand our voucher program nationally and here in North Carolina, one story I think gets lost in the debate, and that's the importance a system of public schools plays in our society. There's a reason founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson focused on the importance of a free and public education. It's why it's in our own state's constitution. It wasn't just about the delivery of academic knowledge and learning. It was also about building an educated community, a state and a nation with shared values and goals. Public schools today are one of the few public institutions where we can all come together and don't separate ourselves out into our religious, cultural, ethnic, and socioeconomic silos. I think it's one of the undersold benefits of an excellent public school system. I've lived in other states and experienced where privatization was a much bigger point of emphasis. We are extremely fortunate to have the kinds of public schools we have in North Carolina for our children, and they are worth defending. That's it for this week's Education Matters. Next week, we're going to take a closer look at key policy issues in education. So make sure you stay tuned, and we'll see you next week.